0: You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. We've been talking about having confident conversations, we've been talking about evangelism and the idea of talking confidently about our faith with, with non-believers and this is going to be the last in this series even though there were lots of questions that were asked. Uh, we started off by asking who are these people and the one thing I remember most from that talk is that the Bible says that people without Jesus are lost, and we thought about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, and that because they are lost and we've been found, we do have a great commission to reach the lost. Um, and I was aware that at the time I'd been interacting with some ex students of mine who are now all grown up but uh, aren't in the faith, aren't Christians, and um, and I was aware that some of them would have been listening and I, I was a bit conscious. That I was saying, you know, you might not like this, but the Bible says you're lost. Um, and I, I got some nice feedback from them, actually. So um, I think because I'd won them over in their childhood, they, they could take it from me. Um, however, I keep praying for those people who, who we can tell they're lost, but uh, nothing, seems to, nothing seems to happen in the, in the, in the present. Yeah. Um, so then we delved into the biggest question, why do people suffer? Um, again, I made it very clear that I don't have all the answers, but I did talk about how we might navigate those questions. We talked about why we think, in the third t- session, we talked about why we think, why we believe, or we would arrogantly say why we know Jesus is the only way. Um, and then we talked about why I believe the Bible. So all those are still online if you want to go back and access access them, but there's lots of other great resources online too that help just navigate that kind of thinking. Today I just wanted to finish it off because um, there were other questions about science versus faith, there was questions about the church and which church and why so many churches, and um, there's, there's other questions about why religion is the cause of all wars, which it isn't, but that's the sort of question people ask there was questions about sexuality, there was questions about life after death, um, and I just felt like if we carry on to, long, we might get bogged down, I'm not scared of these topics, um, but I just felt like it was time to draw a close for now, and revisit, and um, so there's just this common theme that I felt was coming through, was um, this idea that um, we, have, we have the Holy Spirit, we've got to rely on the Holy Spirit when dealing with whatever question comes up so um, this session i'm going to break it into three parts why some of us are not having more confident conversations and there are lots of reasons um, what our secret weapon is and i'm sure there are other weapons but i just want to talk about a secret weapon um, which is praying in tongues and and, and uh, praying with the holy spirit and asking to partner with the holy spirit um, and then i'm just going to Talk about well, what next for us, and um, we'll, we'll just have a chat about that and then we'll pray. And we'll not just pray for us people in this room, but also for the whole of our church and for Brixham and beyond um, that there'll be a mighty outpouring. That's what we want, and why not pray for it? Why not ask? Why not ask big um, and not ask based on what we've experienced this year, but ask based on what we, we believe is God's will for our town. So um, that will be the what next section more sort of discussion and prayer based so i I did a little bit of research and the guy you can see in the photo is called dr chuck lawless which i think is a great surname for a christian uh, (laughs) professor he's um, from the Southeastern seminary in north carolina and the reason i was interested in him is he's done a lot of study in evangelism and missions he's worked in many many churches and he's the Dean of Doctoral Studies. He's been professor and dean of the Billy Graham School of Missions and Evangelism. He's pastored a couple of churches and he now has a church consulting firm, which I don't think there's any of those in Britain that I've heard of, um, actually a consulting firm that will go into churches, but he's the president of one of those. Um, and he's, he's done this um, article on his website, which was only in May this year, and it was Nine Reasons Christians Don't Evangelise. His, it's his take on why Christians don't evangelise. So I'm going to roll through those nine, um, and that'll kind of answer some of the question as why we don't have more confident conversations. And um, some of it might sting, some of it might... You might think, well, yeah, maybe other Christians but not me. Um, but some, somewhere in these nine, there may be just a little bit of a... Uh, a kick There was for me as you'll, as you'll probably see as we go through. So the first one is um, people don't know what evangelism is and this is a quote from his article, when doing church consulting I ask believers to rate the evangelism in their church. It's not uncommon for me to hear answers like we send a lot of people on mission trips or we minister to the homeless downtown both of these ministries are significant and would likely contribute to evangelism but they're not evangelism unless the gospel message is proclaimed i found that interesting and um, very heartened to have a similar conversation paul would have heard this too when we were talking with um, jeff andrews the pastor of brixham baptist church who when he became uh, minister there he he went through the things that they were doing and one of the wonderful things they do is they have this cafe the front room uh, and they see that as evangelism and he, he came in and said, well, why is it evangelism? All we're doing is serving coffee to the community in a church building. How's that evangelism? So one thing he did was he made sure there was uh, something on every table explaining why we're doing this. We're doing this because we love you and we love Jesus and we want Jesus to, to connect with you or whatever. I haven't read it, but that was his his idea. So um, that was, that was uh, encouraging to me, actually. So... If people are saying, well, we, we smile at people or we help people in certain ways and they think that's evangelism. If they're not proclaiming the gospel, it's all really good, but it's not full on evangelism, according to Chuck Lawless. Um, and who's going to question a guy like Chuck Lawless, who none of us have heard of until tonight? Anyway, that's the first one. The second one is lack of evangelistic role models. Um, Two men in my life modelled evangelism for me, says Chuck Lawless. In both cases, seldom was I with either man without his sharing the gospel with somebody. When I ask my students today about their models, though, many have none. And I struggle actually to think, well, you know, I know some people who are really good in public. They're people people and they, they, you know, they'll interact with people. Um, but to get to that step of just being full on evangelistic but being led by the spirit in that rather than just bashing people over the head with a message they're not ready for. um, I don't know too many people like that and my challenge is to become that person, to become that role model to people around me. Um, So that's the second one. The third one was not convinced about lostness. Dr Lawless claims that when doing a theological survey of churches you will find christians who believe that good people might go to heaven apart from a relationship with christ folks who believe that way see no need to do evangelism it will be in our churches where if if our churches aren't having good teaching solid sound doctrinal teaching as we would say in this church that will be the, the result. People will come to that church, they'll join, they'll have a nice uh, sermon on a Sunday morning, but they'll not have that, that full on idea that Jesus is the only way. Um, so people aren't convinced. And I think the more uh, inclusive we become in our society, the, the, the easier it is for churches to adopt that kind of thinking, um, you know. So that's the third one. The fourth one, no evangelism training. So this is partly what, where I start to feel a little bit, okay, what are we doing in our church um, to make sure people are equipped for works of service in their everyday life? So he said, I'm still surprised by the number of churches that have no intentional strategic plan to help Christ followers do evangelism. Ideally, of course, believers will naturally talk about Jesus. But even passionate people sometimes need direction and Equipping, So that's something we need to think about as a leadership team. Um, A, to become the the evangelistic role models, which I know is a challenge for me, and B, to be thinking about um, how are we training people. I know uh, almost 12 months ago in in these evening sessions, I did a three-part thing on the Inside Out Church, and I feel uh, I've got to do that in the Sunday mornings to catch those who come on Sunday and not on the Wednesday night. And start getting people to think more evangelistically Um, so sorry you're gonna hear some of that twice if you were there a year ago but um, I'm sure you'll cope because you're wonderful people Um, and we all need to hear it more than once anyway just this idea of living an inside out life and so evangelism training number five fear of the unknown so these are some of the ideas that people will come up with why they don't want to um, evangelize well he might not listen to me or what if this costs me my friend Um, and it's a genuine genuine feeling Um, she might ask me questions i can't answer i think that's quite a popular reason not to wade into evangelism uh, for some people Um, and they might reject what i say they're the sort of things that people have said to um, this consultant as he's gone to churches and asked why you don't do evangelism Um, he says, most of these fears, I believe, are more perceived than real, but perception matters. You know, if you feel like they're going to reject you, whether they are or not, it's going to stop you. I think for me, that's one of my biggest things, is um, just feeling like they don't want to hear this, so I don't want to tell them something they don't want to hear. Where actually, some people are are ready, and I think the more I try and walk every day with the Holy Spirit and listen to him, um, not just in my prayer time, but all day just trying to remember that God is with me and asking for those prompts and looking for those encounter moments with people I might start to see things the way he does and start thinking you know what this person might just be ready to hear something about Jesus Uh, and even if they do reject me what if it does cost me my friendship with that person it might only just be for now one day they're going to find out the truth Um, and they'll they'll then think well actually you were my friend and you didn't tell me and that's worse isn't it so it's quite a shallow thing really i know it's perceived and it's real to the person who's saying it but to say it might cost me my friendship when you really think about it, it it is a little bit of a shallow response the sixth out of nine reasons christians don't evangelize is I've actually anglicized this. He's written, We've gotten over our salvation. I've changed it to, We've got over our salvation. We've gotten over it. Um, when Jesus becomes routine to us, that is, our passion for him has settled into mediocrity, we won't readily tell others about him. And. Uh, I was meeting with Paul, uh, was it yesterday morning, we were just talking about how we just want people to be on, as, as on fire for God as, as, as we hope we are, you know, and, and, and I think when we get that, we start to, we st- if we all came, like Paul said the other Sunday, if, if we all came on Sunday morning fired up because we've all been praying in the Spirit every day for the week, we'd, we'd, st- we'd start to have very different kind of meetings, but we'd also go out from those meetings fired up as well and and um, we just want to beat down any kind of mediocrity and, and um, apathy that can so easily creep into all of us, um, We none of us immune from that so um, we get over our salvation, we become, um, we become kind of used to it and, and comparing, again just chatting the other day, comparing the way we are with our multiple Bibles on our shelves, with, with those places that maybe just have one page and they memorise it and then pass it on and um, we've just got to get back that hunger haven't we um, so number seven pastors aren't taking the lead so that was a little bit of a challenge for me as well um, i cannot recall says chuck I've, I've moved from calling him dr chuck to chuck now i'm getting familiar with him uh, chuck says i can't recall ever seeing a strongly evangelistic church led by a non-evangelistic pastor the pastor who evangelizes regularly will speak more of his evangelistic experiences, challenges church with more passion to evangelise and ensure his church provides evangelistic training. Um, and I just think talking through stories, just telling people what I've done, just talking to the hairdresser or the barber or just chatting to someone on a bus stop, just letting people know that's what I do when I can or walking the dog. Um, sometimes stories are are, are more powerful than just an instruction to go and evangelise it's part of your lifestyle and people catch on to that number eight don't know many lost people okay so this is a danger for those of us who've got cocooned I think he uses the word yeah many church members are so cocooned in the church world that they couldn't list several names of non-believers they know well and that's the challenge for me, I guess. I know lots of non-believers, I know everybody on my small street of six houses, um, and I know lots of people to recognise, but it's just finding opportunities to get to know them well. And, and it's when you get to know people well through, through chatting to William on Sunday after church. Um, about just getting into the community and some of those little groups where you over time you build relationship and you earn the right to to challenge people but also they kind of realise that they can come to you and, and uh, sometimes it's not for, as, as fortunate as others well because they're knocking on your door at 11 o'clock at night was it <laughs> at least they know who to go to at 11 o'clock at night and that you're Um, you're actually there for them and you've got the answers so it's getting to know people well if our whole world revolves around hanging out with Christians we're not likely to do evangelism and finally number nine they don't care about non-believers well I hope that's not true of anyone in this room I don't think it is Um, but it is an issue amongst many Sunday morning attenders in many churches not wishing to think of particular people but um, I don't think, says Chuck, we can avoid this possibility if we truly believe that people need a personal relationship with Jesus, but we still keep that message to ourselves, how can we conclude otherwise? That actually, the, the how much we care is not as high as it could be. Um, so some challenging stuff there. I'll just leave that on the screen for 30 seconds and read the nine points quickly just in case anything needs to sink in and ask the holy spirit to prompt us is there anything he'd like us to correct number one we don't know what evangelism is number two we have a lack of evangelistic role models if that's true well can we go and find some could we start you know maybe not necessarily finding someone to hang out with who's evangelistic but perhaps reading books from people and stories and testimonies and listening to podcasts of of people who are very evangelistic find a role model and learn from them number three not convinced about lostness um, thinking people might go to heaven anyway number four they've not had evangelism training number five fear of the unknown what will happen if I evangelise number six we've got over our salvation we've become complacent or apathetic Number seven, pastors aren't taking the lead. Number eight, we don't know how many lost people. we don't know many lost people, and number nine, we don't really care. So um, that's quite a harsh thing to say. But if the, the Lord is, you're know, going to say that to us, we need to hear it, don't we? So um, this session we wanted to talk about why some of us are not having more confident conversations. Maybe one of those nine is one of them. Um, maybe it's something else Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about um, mostly for the rest of this second now is to talk about basically a whole bunch of scriptures Um, so just forgive me if we just spend a little bit of time reading verse upon verse um, about this secret weapon which isn't really so secret and fits in really well with some of the Sunday morning preaching we've been having as well so I don't know if you remember from session one I talked about the idea that the battle is won in the air. I talked about a friend who was a devout atheist, but really searching for truth, a genuine atheist, not one of these critical, cynical types that many preachers stereotype atheists to be, but just a really good guy who wanted the truth, had had no experience of God, had no revelation of God, except from what we were trying to speak to him. He was Andrea's workmate, and entering into lots of dialogue with this guy Um, and me being at Bible College at the time learning arguments for the existence of God and trying them out flexing my philosophical muscles on him um, and just it bouncing off him like a brick wall and it's at that point that I came to realize that the battle is won in the air Uh, and by that I mean the power of prayer so um, in 2 Chronicles 20 Um, it's about a specific battle but I believe uh, it applies to all spiritual battles do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army and you can see that as the demonic if you like you can see it as the army of the unsaved Um, you can see it as the array of non-christians that you know but don't be afraid for the battle is not yours it's a wonderful (laughs) such a relief to hear that isn't it the battle is not yours but God's and that's so important so Uh, The second of three on this topic was 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. The battle is God's, remember, 2 Chronicles. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We're doing more than just philosophical debate here, guys. We are dealing with something that is far bigger than we are, and God is on our side. And then the final... Um, scripture in this screen was for our struggle. Sorry, Ephesians six twelve. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the battle is won in the air before it is won on the ground. And um, people say that of, of uh, natural war, but I just think it's such an important um, analogy for us to remember before we go in without our armor on. Um, but the, the fresh scriptures I wanted to bring today are all about the Holy Spirit. And um, I just want as we read these passages, uh, a couple of slides of, of passages really, and, and verses, um, I want us to look for these three P's as we go. Number one, the power. Um, The power of the Holy Spirit. we said the battle's not yours, it's it's God's. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that we need in our conversations. And that's where our confidence comes from. Um, The partnership. So looking at the idea of partnering with God, not just belting off without him. Or just letting him just do his thing and praying and staying in our holy huddle. But partnering with God um, and seeing that partnership with the Holy Spirit. And then the importance of prayer in the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit his, 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 his role in our prayers so power, partnership and prayer I've not split them all up you just look for those as we, as we read through okay? we're ready? okay so we're going to look at John 15 verses 26 and 27 John says when the advocate comes and Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes um, after Jesus has ascended into heaven Who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So we're called to be witnesses, but the Holy Spirit will testify about Jesus. And you also must testify. So we can see um, partnership there. For you have been with me from the beginning, he says. So we're going to testify, but he will testify about Jesus Uh, Acts 5 32 says we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit is a witness as are we so we're working together with the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him so anyone who obeys Jesus can have the Holy Spirit anyone it's not just for some people as I was told by a friend who I'm so annoyed to hear I had a wonderful Christian friend who I worked with and we talked about the gifts of the Spirit and he was told by um, an, not an elder in his church but a respected member of his church just face it Phil, some people aren't going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you might never speak in tongues, it might not be for you and I was like, no! <laughs> so anyway I fully disagree with that teaching and I just want you to know that even here there's a hint of that. Is though Uh, god has given it to those who obey him anyone who obeys god can have the holy spirit in his fullness in acts 1 verse 8 very familiar passage we refer to quite a lot and so does my dad on, on some of the podcasts we've come back to it a few times acts 1 8 you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea samaria and to the ends of the earth so those geographical areas are widening as you go through them Um, but only with the Holy Spirit. You've got to wait for the Holy Spirit. When he comes upon you, he will give you power to witness. So we've got the partnership, we've got the power. In Ephesians 3.16, Paul prays for the Ephesians that uh, out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. In 1 Thessalonians 1.5, we see that our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power but see the word power is linked straight with the holy spirit he says power with the holy spirit and deep conviction so i just it was interested to see how the word power is often tied up with the holy spirit so we've looked at some partnership ideas we've looked at some power in luke 12 verse 8 to 12 and um, we're almost halfway through my long list of scriptures they will all appear on one screen at the end so small you probably can't read them but we'll just have that on and we'll just reflect a little bit and uh, I'll stop talking at a pace and we'll just have some time to breathe and and take that in and think about it um, Luke twelve eight to 12 Jesus says I tell you whoever publicly acknowledges me before others the son of man that's Jesus will also acknowledge before the angels of God But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you... At that time what you should say the Holy Spirit in partnership with us for those who acknowledge the Son of Man he will teach us what to say don't worry it also says somewhere else to always be prepared but I think sometimes that's not so much about preparing the script and the right answer for every word it's being prepared in your spirits being prepared being all prayed up and ready to go and um, the Holy Spirit's going to teach us what to say um, last couple of slides now. Acts 8.4, it says those who have, had been scattered preached the word everywhere they went. Now, where's the Holy Spirit in that? Well, I just kind of like that line because it reminds me that it's not just church leaders who are evangelists and preachers. The church was scattered. And those who were scattered, that's just ordinary Christians, preached the word wherever they went there was no apathy amongst those christians they were ready to tell people about jesus and in 1 peter 3:15, it says always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect john 14:26 says but the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you I think I've had that twice now Jude 20 says but you dear friends by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit so we've talked about partnership we've talked about power there's a little bit of prayer in these I didn't split them up so much because I think there's overlap between some of them and they're just great on their own just uh, not to categorize them too strictly but these leaning more towards prayer um, building yourself by praying in the Holy Spirit is an instruction that's what that's what we should do ordinary Christians all Christians have that ability that availability of the gift of the Spirit Ephesians six eighteen, and pray in the Spirit when in church no on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people So we're praying for our lost friends, but we're also praying for all the Lord's people. But it says the beginning of that verse, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. And I believe, we believe that that means I will pray in tongues. But I will pray also with my understanding. And you can do the same too at once. Um, I will sing with my spirit and I will sing also with my understanding. And that's, that's a snippet from a larger passage talking about praying in tongues and uh, my mind being unfruitful, but my spirit is edified. And uh, so that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray in both, um, both ways, if you like. So that, <laughs> I've just said you could, you could hardly read it. I put this on at the very beginning when only William and Christian had arrived, because they were early, and uh, said it's a bit of an eye test. Um, And he read the middle one to me from that back seat, so they are there, maybe just as a little bit of a prompt, Um, but the the kind of final thing really to do today was just to talk about, with all of that in mind, we've talked about why some of us are not having um, confident conversations, and some of us are, but why some of us aren't. What our secret weapon is, or what I believe the Lord is leading us to be reminded of in our church specifically, to be thinking about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit um, in power and in 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 partnership and in in prayer. Um, and the the final bit was just, okay, for us, what is next? And that's a individual question that I wanted us to think about. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.